Welcome to the podcast Voices, stories about practice and sustainable nutrition. I'm your host, Roxanne Wagner, and today we're going to talk about food waste. At the 2016 ICDA conference in Granada, I recall a survey where attendees were asked about the topic of sustainability and where they felt in their work they could intervene in the food system, while food waste was rated as number one. And I'm pleased today to interview two dietitians who share their diverse approach and experience in combating this topic. Now, we know that food loss and waste amount to a major use of resources, including water, land, energy, labor, and capital, and it produces greenhouse gas emissions contributing to global warming and climate change. Roughly a third of the food produced in the world for human consumption every year gets lost or wasted, and this amounts to $1 trillion. Some consumer data facts per capita waste by consumers is between 95 to 115 kilograms a year in Europe and North America, while consumers in Sub-Saharan Africa, South and Southeastern Asia each throw away 6 to 11 kilograms a year. In high-income countries, more food is wasted in our homes than any other part of the supply chain, and it's been reported that this value is 20 pounds a month, equating to 15 to 1600 US dollars for a family of four, or 10% of their food budget. About two-thirds of household waste is due to food spoilage from not being used in time, whereas the other third is caused by people cooking or serving too much, and fruits and vegetables, plus roots and tubers, have the highest wasted rates of any food. Sustainable Development Goal 12.3 captures a commitment to have food waste at the retail and consumer level and to reduce food loss across supply chains at post-harvest losses. To reduce food waste, it's been debated if this is a top-down issue, government and corporate infrastructure to influence the public, or a bottom-up issue where consumer pressure can influence public food waste policy. In 2013-15, to 15, the Swedish Board of Agriculture, the Swedish Environmental Protection Agency, and the Sweden National Food Agency were assigned to find ways to reduce food waste. In the development of the Swedish Action Plan for Reducing Food Waste, they focused on identifying knowledge gaps and barriers, educating consumers, increasing collaboration across the food chain, communicating a food waste reduction target, and addressing food regulatory issues. To hear more about Sweden's approach to food waste, I'm pleased to have with us today Margareta Aftrole from Sweden, who works with an organization that provides nutritious and varied food to preschools, schools, hospitals, and nursing homes. Welcome, Margareta. So, Margareta, can you tell us more about the Swedish Action Plan for Reducing Food Waste and how it influences your work? Or how do you use it in your work? Well, you know, every year the average Swede uh, throws away a lot of food, about 20 kilo of perfectly edible food. And uh, they threw away 26 kilos of food and drink down the sink. And that is um, the yearly cost uh, of that food thrown away is uh, by uh, the average family is enough to get uh, food for a month. So it's not so smart to throw away food like that and it's uh, not for the families <laughs> and not for the environment. During 2019 the Swedish Food Agency ran a project to improve the data from the public commercial kitchens and they found out that there were a lot of food waste in the commercial ki kitchens as well. Um, 
the waste they measured was just from lunches in the kitchens and uh, the waste in schools was 11,500 tons. So it's not why or if we should uh, do something about the food waste, it's just uh, what and uh, how quick. Margareta, can you share, how did this policy come to be? Was it driven by consumers that were putting pressure on the government or was this led by the government uh, through the, the 2030 uh, agenda and the SDG goals? Yeah, this, this was um, uh, a government assignment to the Swedish Food Agency, the Swedish Board of Agriculture and the Swedish Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, there were two government assignments to work on the reduction of food loss and food waste. And, and the goal is to uh, work for the Agenda 2030 Goal 12.3, where is it, it is to reduce the food waste to half it in 2030. In June 2018, the More to Do More action plan was submitted to the government. Uh, a plan uh, for Sweden's work to reduce the food waste. And this uh, plan is now from 2020 to 2025, six years, that it is to work with it. And it is throughout the whole food chain. So it's not just the kitchen make the food, it is uh, from the farmers and the uh, industrial and the food uh, <laughs> uh, in all the ways it is uh, 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 a question of cooperate in the best way. You know, Margareta, on some of the research that I've been doing, it indicates, now this is US data, but 24 to 35% of the school lunches end up in the bin. Um, so there's definitely a lot of room for improvement. And you shared that in the work that you do in the schools, that uh, the data that was collected was around 10,000 pounds. So um, I'm sure those percentages are, are quite similar in that range. And I'm curious in the work that you do in the schools and in nursing homes, how successful has this policy been on the implementation side? And were there tools that the government provided or that these agencies provided that really helped you the most in your implementation? Now, I can say that the Swedish Food Agency is the one who get recommendations and directions in Sweden of the for the most, the, the food that I, in the kitchens that I work with, the public meals. And um, they, they are very good at, at uh, the give, you, give you help. Uh, they did, uh, as I said, they made a, a measure and collected in uh, some information from all the, all the kitchens in Sweden. We, can say <laughs> perhaps not every, every every kitchen but in the municipality kitchens and um, the most that was helped that uh, they have they have helped with uh, tools tools to find uh, ways to how, how to work in the kitchens now we have uh, uh, over 50 kitchens and they are in different sizes and they, they can work in uh, in different ways, even if the goal is that uh, they shall measure the food waste every day, there are some that uh, 
does it two weeks a year at, at a start. But the, the goal is that uh, every day. Now, Margareta, I know that you have a wealth of experience and knowledge on this topic. And I'd love it if you could share, if you have any advice for dietitians and nutritionists about reducing food waste. Well, the, the most important is to measure measure and follow up and uh, if you yes when you start to measure you will be aware of how much you threw away and and uh, why uh, i know there was in, in one kitchen that they had thrown away an apple a little bit brown in the in the uh, in one in one place of the apple and they threw the whole and that's that's something you just yes, can cut away you don't have to to throw it all, and it uh, you will you will be aware of the the way you work at the start, and then you can do a lot in the kitchen. For example, you can uh, check the recipes before purchase purchasing, and don't buy too much food. Uh, buy food in season, seasonal food. It's better for the price for the most, and uh, yeah, better 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 food. And then in the storage that you think about first in and first out. In the fridge, you can lower the temperature to four degrees. Uh, that helps the food to remain fresh longer, several days longer. Um, and then you can uh, uh, store food properly. And you have to think about this with best before or a last day of consumption, but there is a difference. If is it best before, you can smell it and taste it and use it. But um, last day of consumption, you can be sick and you have, and it's better you throw it away. And then when cooking, you can cook just right, not just, not just in case <laughs> if it's uh, going to, uh, well, the most will eat of the food. And you can cook the food in batches if it's possible. And then don't uh, peel and groom vegetables no more than uh, necessary. It's okay too. And then I think I said with, with the ser serving loss, uh, you can have spoons near the dishes or the saying it's in a school the children can uh, prove or taste the food and, and uh, see if they like it so they don't take too much. Uh, you can have smaller plates and smaller serving cutlery so you don't take so much. You can have a, a smaller size or on what you, what you serve. You can take the garbage bin, you can take that away someday <laughs> so they don't, you don't you can't throw away the food. And I said to you earlier that uh, in Sweden there are the food that the pupils like the best that are thrown away the, the most. And that's, that can sound uh, curious, but I, I think it's uh, you like it and you take so much and then you don't, you don't, you can't eat, you're, you're not so hungry, so you can't eat it all.
Yes, I think many of us can fall into that category where, where it yeah. looks good yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's one of our favorites. We, we tend to take more. <laughs> well, those are very practical tips. Those are, are excellent. So thank you. And I think they can be used not only in our work setting, but also in our own households. So that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time, Margareta, and for sharing your experiences. Thank you for letting me. <laughs> So we've just heard about Sweden's approach to food waste, and we'd now like to hear about innovative approaches in business that can divert food waste. An organization in the US called ReFed collected data and they analyzed over 40 solutions to combat food waste. Through 14 billion invested annually, and with policy changes, innovation and engagement, they predict that the US could reduce or divert food waste by 50% with a five to one financial return of $73 billion annually. Also, these solutions provide many social and environmental benefits, such as four trillion gallons in water savings, 75 million tons of greenhouse gas emissions reduced, and feeding four billion people in need annually. The implementation solutions also created 51,000 jobs over 10 years. This is really exciting to hear. And with us today is Rebecca Tran, a dietitian from Nova Scotia, Canada, who has spent the last few years focusing on innovation and solutions at the Station Food Hub. Rebecca, thank you for joining us. So Rebecca, what started your passion for addressing food waste in the food system? So I live in Nova Scotia. It's a small province in the east of Canada, and my business is located in the Annapolis Valley. I talk to a lot of farmers on a daily basis, and they're very concerned about the amount of food waste that's left in their fields. Sometimes it's up to 30% that they're leaving their fields. It's not being able to be harvested and it's not being used for human consumption. So there's a lot of food that's lost throughout the supply chain. And I knew I wanted to try to make an impact on that. Using my background as a dietitian and working in institutional procurement and working on different policies within the system, I recognized that there was unmet targets that these institutions have to purchase local food. So why not bridge the two together and look at this on use food that's left in the fields right here in our province and figure out a way to value add that product and get it onto the plates for people in our institutions here in Nova Scotia. You know, Rebecca, that's pretty amazing. You're going from a role where you were working for an organization and then took a leap and became an entrepreneur. So that's pretty exciting. And my understanding is that you were also working on the West Coast. You were also uh, working in BC and then had moved to uh, Nova Scotia. And that was part of this process. Were you working um, in public health as well in Nova Scotia or did you jump straight into being an entrepreneur at that time? Yes, great point. I was working in public health in Vancouver and then I had a few small young children and my husband and I moved back to Nova Scotia where I grew up and went to school, took on a job in public health there doing health promotion. And that's when it was decided that to make a bigger impact was to actually take that jump and start my own business. And I often refer to it as building the airplane on the way up. <laughs> That's great. That is great. So the business that you formed is Station Food Hub. And can you tell us more about that? Yes. Yeah, so we purchased this an old abandoned school. So in rural Nova Scotia, populations are, are dwindling and the school shut down over five years ago. It's a 17,000 square foot building and it's pretty much the perfect space for something that we're trying to put on here. There's 
the old classrooms that were retrofitting into commercial kitchens for businesses looking to start and scale their businesses. We have a provincially inspected kitchen that we do a lot of our product research and development. And right now we're working at building the large processing facility where we're going to be making our innovative uh, product using food waste. Great. So you have space for others to build their business and you're also making products yourself. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. The hub is the connecting point. So we really are aiming to connect the producers and the farmers in our region to other markets and institutions through marketing, aggregation, food distribution, and such. We also offer those spaces for businesses that want to set up shop themselves and work on uh, on their goals as well. Yeah, I saw some interesting businesses on the website. That's really great. So um, what advice would you give for dietitians and nutritionists about reducing food waste? Well, if you have something that you're passionate about and uh, don't be afraid to take those chances, there's been a lot of times over the past years, especially with COVID and such that um, have been a little bit terrifying, but surround yourself with really great people and rely on the skills that you have. I think as dietitians, we are equipped with a huge skill set for many different opportunities. And I think, um, I think just go after what you believe in and what your passion is, is what some advice I would give. Rebecca, I want to know a little bit more about the, your business streams. And so you have where you develop product and then you also have the hub, which area has been maybe, um, I'd like to know, has, has there been any challenges with either of those? Where do you see more opportunities? Can you tell us a little bit more about those sectors? And, you know, we talked about innovation and how much you have to invest and then the return. So I'm just curious on that model and also job creation. I'm just curious from what we shared earlier on in this episode, maybe some of your takeaways or what you've learned from your business that you could share with others. Yeah, so so great question. The the hub itself is the space. So within that we lease out the, um, we have freezers and refrigerators and storage and business spaces for people with Right now, we currently have six businesses accessing services at the hub, and it's been challenging to draw people in, especially during the pandemic when uh, businesses were perhaps fearful of setting up and taking that leap themselves. A lot of the businesses that moved into the hub recognized that even with the pandemic and future shutdowns being a possibility, they'd still be able to do their food processing at the hub. The other avenue of what we have going on there is the station food company, and that's the business that I'm referring to, which is dealing with the food waste. So that's taking the food from the fields, value adding it. We're making a product called puree scoops. So, so they're single ingredient vegetables that are then processed and frozen into 85 gram scoops, which are perfect portion sizes for use in institutions. The, the institutions that we are marketing our puree scoops to are looking to use those for the dysphagia patients for their touch texture modified diets. So that food that you're receiving for this product came from farmers that normally it would have been wasted? Yeah, so we we call it upcycled nutrition. We take the product that would not have been fit for human consumption, so the seconds or the wasted products, and we receive them from the farmers and bring them to our facility where we, where we lightly process them and value add. So we're able to provide a year round consistent product for the institutions. That's awesome. So Rebecca, for the, the vegetable scoops, does that product come from farmers that, and the product that would have been ultimately wasted? Yes, there are quite a few farmers here that we've talked to that up to 30% of what they grow every year is left in the fields. So there are some programs that we have where farmers can donate to the food banks and that kind of thing for a tax return, but often it's just not worth them 
taking their time to harvest the food to do that. So we're using a different option where we take and we buy that food from them at market value and then process it and have it set for institutional um, sales. You mentioned you were a public health dietitian and then took a leap and became an entrepreneur and went into business. Can you share with us that process? Did you go back to school or what did you do to, for that transition? Yeah, I often get asked that question. So I did work in long-term care. I spent some time working in pharmaceutical sales and I was a program coordinator for a few um, community projects in the downtown east side of Vancouver. And while I was out there, I actually went back to school and I had my master's in health administration. So I do have a little bit of that administrative um, blood in me, I guess. And uh, when I came back to Nova Scotia and I had my second child, I was on maternity leave. So I had a lot of time to sit and ponder and think about what I wanted to do if I wanted to go back to work for public health or if I wanted to try to do something else being a mom of two small kids. So that's when I met with Heather and we talked a lot about how we could make a bigger impact on the food system and took that leap of faith and, and purchased that old school. I mentioned earlier that in the U.S., there, if they invest $14 billion, they could get a five to one return. And obviously that's a lot of money to invest for a company and for organizations. And I'm curious from your situation, how did you go about this and what would you recommend for someone that's doing a startup and looking to solve a solution? What is the best sources of funding? We have an organization in Nova Scotia called FarmWorks. They're a CDF and they go and do an offering yearly. And to date, they've raised over $5 million. And their main purpose is to go back and to support farms and small food businesses here in Nova Scotia. They've been a huge supporter of what we're doing. And the big chunk of our funding came from that FarmWorks organization. Myself and my business partner, we put a little bit of equity into the company as well, and then started to seek out different grants. Being a for-profit organization, it was a little bit difficult to go after some of those traditionally nonprofit type grants, but there are some out there here in Canada. One particular one is the Food Waste Reduction Challenge Program. So that's just being offered right now, and we're in the running to be awarded uh, one of their semi-finalist prizes. So please stay tuned and uh, check in to see if we were successful in that offering. Oh, that would be amazing. And, and uh, yes, um, we're all rooting for you. That would be wonderful. Well, Rebecca, thank you for joining us today and sharing your wealth of experience and your creativity and knowledge. Thank you so much for, your, for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you for joining us. Until the next time.